I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, it's your favorite host in all of podcastum, Obi-John Kenobi, coming to you with another all-new episode of your weekly Nerd Alert. And before we kick this off, I should just arrest you. He is the man who keeps the nerd in the Talk Nerdy To Me Network, my right hand, uh, the guy who will uh, either teach you something or put you to sleep real fast, <laughs> it's Commander Scott. Ha, thank you. And today, I'm going to do both. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I'll put you to sleep and then teach you something subliminally. kids, everyone go pop your and be in. No, I did find something out here recently that I thought was quite interesting. Just a little tidbit um the, the, the uh, no no it is not a factoid because this is true <laughs> and if you fact. listen to the show you'll know why that's wrong but also yeah. right <laughs> so uh, i have determined uh that the the largest uh single living organism by identical genetic markers on the planet is called pando which is latin for i spread uh it is also known in in some circles as the trembling giant okay Okay. it is yeah okay you ready for this probably not It, it is a colonial colony of individual male quaking aspen which is a type of tree uh, located in the Fremont River Ranger District of Fish Lake Natural Forest uh, on the western edge of the Colorado Plateau in south-central Utah. Um, it occupies 108 acres and weighs uh, an estimated collective weight of 6,600 tons. It is the heaviest and largest collectively, uh, the heaviest known largest organism on the planet. It, it, it's a forest that shares a root system. It is a single living organism. It's a living, it, it, all forests are living, but this is, it's one single organism. Isn't that just cool as shit? Yeah. yeah it's still the idea from Avatar. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> they wouldn't plant it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. And it doesn't get better than Cameron, but still, I mean, Avatar did it first. Well, if they stole from, you know, if they stole that from Avatar, then we have no choice. Uh, we're going to start a GoFundMe page because we, we have to get... Um, Unobtainium. Um, no, 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 shit. Ah. I can't remember his name, the actor's name. I, I'm completely Stephen Lang. We got to get Stephen Lang out there to wage war on this forest. I love this idea. Yes, and by God, this time Stephen Lang's going to win, just like he should have done in the damn movie. <laughs> I am all for whatever he gives Stephen Lang work. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, and then rounding out our crew. <laughs> Uh, joining us from somewhere in time and space via the DeLorean. You know him, you love him. It's the Doc. You see the size of that goddamn chicken? Doc? Huh. Uh, that uh, sounds a little weird, but uh, okay, that's that's the Doc, I guess. Uh, we are your weekly nerd alert. And uh, if you couldn't guess, if our ruse didn't fool you, I thought it was pretty clever ruse, but uh, the doc is not here today. Um, that's okay, though. Instead, uh, we're just going to recast the role and keep going. So this week in the role of the doc will be uh, me, Obi-John Kenobi. We'll be playing the doc. So, okay, here we go. <clears throat> um, Scott, can you play me? I don't know. That's, okay. that's some awfully tall shoes to fill. <laughs> also, also, um, I, I don't have enough pages of notes in this house. Uh, I'm sorry to, to do you justice. See, you're nailing it already. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, guys, what's up? It's the doc. Hey, 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 guys. Uh, have I told you about my dog? Her name's Brandy. She's really sleepy. She sleeps all day. Ah, damn dog. These damn kids are so stupid. How stupid are they? They? <laughs> they 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 don't understand maths. That's that's how damn stupid they are. Ah, yeah. They should uh, they should go to school for that. <laughs> no, the doc is not here. Uh, so instead, you'll get my random impressions of the doc throughout the show. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> See, I was, uh, but that does. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to try and keep the ruse running. I was going to wait until you ask the doc, you know, you know, what do you think, doc? And I was just going to keep playing the same clip over and over again. <laughs> See, this is why we should work bits out before we start the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's fine. We'll do it next week. Uh, <laughs> no, our actual topic this week uh, does springboard off that, believe it or not. It wasn't a complete waste of your time like the rest of the show. Um, no, we're talking this week about recasting because lately in the world of nerd news, there's a lot of recasting going on uh, in, in, in all facets of, of what recasting can be. So we've got stuff from uh, the current rumor of Amber Heard uh, being out and replaced by Amelia Clark as Mara in Aquaman 2. We've got rumors of one fictional character being replaced by another as-of-yet uncast fictional character. Uh, Cara Dune, is, it, who was set to be the main character of the Rangers of the New Republic series on Disney+, Plus, uh, with Gina Carano now being out uh, because of uh, uh, tweets. Apparently that's a thing. You cancel people over tweets now. Um, 
fans were calling for them to just recast the role of of uh, Cara Dune, and I think uh, was it Lucy Lawless that they were calling for oh, to yeah. to take her part. Yeah, if they were going to recast, I, I could see Lucy Lucy Lawless. Uh, well, the current rumor now is they're not even going to attempt to recast Cara Dune. They're literally just going to replace Cara Dune with Harrison Dula from Rebels. Uh, I don't hate the idea. I love anything that gives me more Rebels. But we're literally replacing fictional characters with with other fictional characters. And then the big one uh, I dropped earlier last week. Uh, Henry Cavill may or may not be Superman anymore. I know that's not new, but it was announced J.J. Abrams is going to produce a Superman movie that may or may not be a reboot uh, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, who with this audience is probably best known for writing uh, a run on Black Panther and Captain America in Marvel Comics. Uh, a while ago, Michael B. Jordan talked about wanting to play uh, a black Superman. So I don't know if this is like an Elseworlds thing or a hard reboot or what, but Henry Cavill may or may not be done and we might have a new Superman. Who got a lot of unknowns here, but point is, uh, there's a lot of recasting going on. And um, well, before we move on with the rest of the list, you know, any of those topics you want to weigh in on, Scott? I know that's a lot thrown out there. Well, I mean, so when it, when it comes, to, I'll address these in order real quick because I don't have a lot to say on each topic. But when it comes to the whole Amber Heard thing, um, I, I'll be honest, I haven't taken the time to to research all the ins and outs of you know what happened, uh, that whole thing between her and Johnny Depp. I, I didn't look, I didn't delve deep into it. I don't know the facts of the case or anything. Um, but that being said, I do love Johnny Depp, so I'm going to side with Johnny Depp. And yeah, just go fuck Amber, because I, I don't know anything about her and I don't care. <laughs> You're uh, going to hate one of my picks later in the show then. Uh, the, 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 some of it, uh, quickly, is is she, uh, uh, right after the filing for divorce, accused of being abusive, and his name got dragged through the mud for being alcoholic and abusive and all this kind of stuff, which he may or may not have been, but that then later came out through the court, through the course of the court case, that's a ton twister, uh, that she was just as uh, uh, manipulative and abusive towards him, uh, and that she may have leaked uh, the whole he abused me thing to get ahead of it. Uh, to try to shape the narrative, uh, stuff ranging from like taking a dump in his bed and crap like that. Um, again, this is just like the, the overview of it. So it, it, it things really swung from uh, trash to nope, Amber Heard's a piece of trash. Dude, no, maybe they're both kind of trash in their own ways. It's costing Johnny Depp work. Uh, so you know, fairness spread around. It costs her work too. Uh, that's the long and short of it. Uh, but uh, oh. I'm kind of like, if, if you're going to recast anybody from Aquaman, uh, does anyone give a shit who plays Mera? I mean, really? Was she even really? in the first was that? Was she in the first one? I don't remember her at all. Yeah. I remember Black yes, Manta. she was. <laughs> I remember Black Manta yeah. and, uh, and, and Lynch from uh, A-Team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Mera was there. 
for uh, bulk of the movie. So there you go. Uh, I think that answers my question. No, so? nobody cares. Uh, uh, and uh, so uh, moving on to uh, to Harris and Dula, I, I actually I, I'm looking forward to this one because, I mean, we know we know that uh, Hera becomes you know a general during the age of the rebellion because she gets name dropped uh, in uh, Rogue One. Um, yep. And uh, of course, Chopper's there as well. We we see the ghost in the background. Um, I know the John real Favre, hero of the rebellion. Sorry, I, I know John Favreau and uh, uh, Dave Filoni. I think are kind of scrambling last minute with with this corporate decision because now they have to find a way to somehow introduce Hera into season three of the Mandalorian um, when pretty much the full outline of season three is already in the can as far as the outline. They, they know how it's going to play out. So now they got to, they got to retool some storylines so that Hera can be introduced to the fans who don't know rebels so that they can use her to springboard into, uh, Rangers. <clears throat> but, you know, provided they get all this done and Rangers goes off now that if Hera goes forward and if Hera's in, which I love, we had better see chopper and the ghost. Uh, I I could understand maybe not Sabine uh, as much because she's going to be doing stuff you know in the the uh, the the Ahsoka Tano spinoff uh, along with presumably Ezra. yeah yeah uh, now that only leaves uh, Zeb free so you know um, live action Zeb oh my god I would like to see live action Zeb and Chopper banter. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chopper's got to be there with with Hera. That's a given. She's got to be on the Ghost. Zeb, you, I could see bringing him in only for one episode because if you brought him in for every episode, then you're basically going to have Rebels the live action show, and that's not exactly what they're wanting to do. So no, uh, and I definitely can see if you're going to bring in Hera, there's one character you need to bring in. I don't even know this character has a name or not, but in one shot at the end of Rebels, we're shown that Hera apparently had a kid with Kanan. Oh, yes. Uh, here's a perfect opportunity to follow up on that. Uh, and again, I, I don't I don't know to what degree the Cara Dune character played in the Rangers of the New Republic. I mean, presumably it was centered around her because she becomes a marshal for the New Republic in season two of Mando. Um, so, we're again, without knowing what the plan was, we're all kind of spitballing here. But I think there's definitely room for Hera. It's definitely a move I can see Filoni making uh, because who cares about the audience? He's very familiar with Hera. He'll make you love her. Don't worry. It's 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 um, it's, it's Filoni. He'll find a way. Um, and Filoni would trust. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, at that point, my my mind turns to who do you cast as Hera, uh, which is a whole other topic to get into. But uh, like, I, yeah. it, not knowing what the show was supposed to be. And, and and at this rate, we'll never know probably what it was supposed to be. Um, if they decide to cancel the show altogether and replace it with something else more centered on like the Rebels characters, fine. Um, as long as it's not and, as bad as the Babylon Five Rangers spinoff, that was that was pretty bad. But that was that was bad only because the 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 ensemble cast that they put together really did not have good chemistry on screen. Yeah, it's no bueno. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the idea. I just, uh, again, uh, cool. there's so many Star Wars series coming down the pipeline. If if we have to drop one and, and retool it and make it a new title, I don't think anyone's going to be that broken up about it. Like, of all the series they announced, all was it 10 or 11 streaming series, I, this is one that's probably lower on the list for most people. Um, yeah. If you had to rank them all, I would say I would assume Boba Fett and Mando and Ahsoka are probably more high. You know, if this was like, oh, we got to recast Rosario Dawson, then there might be some hubbub over. But it, okay, yes. now you can drop any of those series. Maybe maybe the droid series, but now I have to say, uh, with the with the idea of of, of swapping out Cara Dune for Hera, um, that bumps uh-huh. that that bumps. Um, uh, that show up on my list of what I'm excited for. <clears throat> Cause I didn't care for the character of Cara Dune. I thought she was very one dimensional. Uh, she, I, I just didn't, they tried to give her the whole, you know, uh, Rambo in first blood, just the, the, the loner that didn't want to have anything to do with this anymore thing. And, uh, her, her entire development and change of, change of character and change of motive happens off screen between seasons, basically. Uh, when she's with uh, uh, Apollo Creed on uh, that one planet, uh, so yeah, I just didn't care for. Her. Um, but with Hera being in there now, because um, we've already seen <clears throat> that the character of Hera Syndulla can lead a team, she can forge a team, she can lead a team, and she is a great team leader. So you know, if they approach it from that, where Kara is leading a team of uh, uh, what are they called again? Rangers. Oh, they are Rangers. Okay, I had Babylon Five. Well, the show is Rangers of the New Republic. So I'm yeah, but if she, yeah, she's leading Rangers. team. No, of... she was do a Marvel. Yeah, yeah. It bumps it up on my list right now. It's right now. It's sitting at uh, it's sitting at uh, Ahsoka, then this, then Boba Fett. For me, the top of everything, and the only one I really care about, and everything else can be canceled, but please don't touch this, is, of course, the Obi-Wan series. So, oh, thankfully, yeah, uh, casting rumors have come out, but we're not recasting anything, and uh, it looks like that. That's supposed to start shooting very soon, so oh, I'm going to force you with it, please. I'm waiting for that. Uh, and then uh, the Henry Cavill Superman thing. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, th- this this pisses me off a bit because <clears throat> I think Henry Cavill actually did a phenomenal job as Superman. Um, Agreed. I, I like Man of Steel, um, uh, but the the problem and I like the extended cut of BVS. Um, um, but the problem is, you know, you, they go from Man of Steel to BVS and he dies, and then we got the the theatrical cut of Justice League. In which he's not even in it until, uh, what? Pretty much Act Three, yeah. Uh, right at the end of Act Two, pretty uh, close to. And so between these three films, we really get no time to spend with Superman on screen. You know, we we go through his origin, which is which is a little bit weird in the way it's cut together. It, it it's choppy, uh, and then by the time you get to him being Superman, oh, now he's dead. And then we're not going to see him again until Act 3 of the next movie. We never got any time to spend with him on screen. Henry Cavill deserved at least one more solo outing as 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 the Man of Steel. 
we needed to have him full in, you know, where he's the man of steel, he's doing his thing, you know, uh, going after maybe Brainiac or, you know, something as the villain, but anyone besides Zod and Luther, literally anyone besides Zod and Luther. I didn't mind. I didn't mind Zod in the first one. Um, uh, he's, he's not even in the later ones because he gets killed in, in Man of Steel, which personally I was fine with because I understood what the director was trying to accomplish with that, uh, even when I saw it in theaters. Um, but yeah, we, we he deserved at least one more solo outing fully established as Superman because we did not get to spend any time with him. They they teased us with him. They gave it. They took him away. And then they gave us a little bit at the end of the next one. And then that was it. He he didn't really get a good shot at 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 kind of growing into the role, in my opinion. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, if this is like an Elseworlds thing where we're just doing like a, a, a what if Superman kind of deal, cool. Um, but if it costs Henry Cavill getting that Superman movie, he deserves like you said, he absolutely deserves a shot at playing the character. Then I'm not for it, and it has nothing to do with the race of the character. This is everything to do with Henry Cavill getting fucked over. Exactly. Uh, he was he was a great Superman in terrible Superman movies. Um, um, he he deserves better, like you said. So yeah. Uh, and... I'm not crazy about J.J. Abrams producing it because I read his Superman flyby script from the 2000s and it's not good. So, uh, so let's see what happens. Makes me a little worried. Uh, and. He deserves a proper fortress of solitude, damn it. <laughs> I mean, at first, you know, when, when I first watched Man of Steel and stuff, and, and he goes aboard the Kryptonian ship, I'm like, oh, cool, it's a, it's a crashed Kryptonian ship that he finds, and that's going to become his fortress of solitude. Well, that got blown to hell out of the water after the ship gets up and leaves at one point and goes into the city, and then it's crashed in the middle of the city for the next two damn movies. Yep. Yeah. What the hell? Yep. Yeah, he deserves a proper fortress of solitude. He, he, again, he just deserves a chance to actually play Superman, um, not Bruce Wayne Man, <laughs> which we see we see glimpses of, and that that's the one thing I can say about the theatrical Justice League movie is when they bring back. Um, weird CGI mustacheless Henry Cavill. Um, he gets to be Superman for like 10 minutes in that movie. You know, he gets to crack jokes and he gets to wear a bright colored, you know, red and blue suit like Superman does. And he, he gets to be optimistic and smile. Oh, it's weird, right? Uh, it doesn't last very long. But it's there. The whole little bit with him and Flash at the at the end of that movie. <laughs> this is just for fun, right? Yeah, sure. But if you lose, you're off the team. Nah, like that, that whole beat with the two of them was like, hey, look, it's Superman. They put him in a movie briefly. Yeah. Uh, the, we got glimpses of what he could have been. I, I, I want to see more of that. Please. Yes, please. All right, enough about Superman. That's not what the show's about. Well, it is. Uh, okay. All right. Sorry. We throw out the rundown. <laughs> Here we go. It's just the Superman show now. Um, no, what we're going to talk about is recasting. Um, it can be great. 
it can be terrible. It can save a movie. You can ruin a movie. Um, and almost we're going to go through best. What was that? It can almost ruin a franchise. Oh, God. Um, do you want to start with best or worst? Uh, well, <clears throat> so, I, you know, when I was going through this and I was looking at yeah. some of the, the ones, uh, I, I've got... Uh, let's see here. One, two. I've got three examples of the some some that I liked, and I've got I've got two, uh, technically three that I that I I didn't like. Uh, uh, a couple of which I just didn't like. One of them was just absolutely almost the worst decision in cinematic history. Uh, <laughs> wow. I've got three that I hate. One's going to be a hot take. I've got one honorable mention, and then I've got. For five that I liked, so let's but, start with worst. We'll end, we'll end yeah. on a high note. Yeah, let, let's let's start with ones we did not like. Well, ways the ways in our opinion of not doing recasting or bad examples of it. Go for it. Yes. Okay. Um, this is kind of an honorable mention, uh, but I feel like it needs to be talked about. Uh, this this character is getting a, a big resurgence. Uh, he's he's got a movie coming out very soon. Uh, it was supposed to come out last year. It got delayed. Um, he's an internationally beloved character. Um, he started out in Japan, but he made the big leap across the pond. And uh, Americans love him. We have a really weird relationship with him. So my honorable mention for worst recasting is the part of Godzilla in the 1998 film Godzilla, where they recast Godzilla with a big iguana. Really? Really? I'll, I'll see myself out now. Really? We're... <laughs> Man, wait. Wait, wait. You uh, you deserve this. Maybe. You want to cue it up again? There it is. Yeah. I think Jay liked my 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 joke. Jay, what did you think of that? <laughs> that was good, John. John was funny. John. John was funny. When you said it, when you said it was Godzilla, but it's the big iguana. That was funny. Great Scott. I'm the doc. Stay on target. Sounds just like him, too, doesn't it? All right, I told you. <laughs> an honorable mention. All right, uh, my first actual pick for worst recasting. Um, and this is bad because I haven't even seen the whole movie. Um, and this, this is, it's a voice actor who got recast, and I fucking hate this voice. And I hate having this job and i refuse to watch this movie now um i'm talking about will forte as shaggy in the movie school replaced matthew lillard the proper shaggy uh matthew lillard voicing uh the character of shaggy since technically 2002 when he played the character in the live action movie uh, he's done more Shaggy Scooby voiceover movies and shows than I can count. I just scroll through his IMDb. Every other listing is him voicing Shaggy in something uh, from stuff like the Supernatural episode where the Supernatural guys uh, cross over with the Scooby gang to uh, the made for TV and, and straight to video movies. He's he is. Uh, since the death of Casey Kasem and even kind of before that, he is the voice of Shaggy. For an entire generation of kids, it's 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 Matthew Lillard, uh, and I have no idea why the fuck you would replace him uh, when you're trying to relaunch Scooby in the whole uh, Hanna Barbera cartoon universe they were trying to do with Scoob. Um, 
Matthew Lillard's been doing the voice so long to me he is he is the character. Will Forte doesn't even sound like a, a shaggy impression. It sounds like somebody who saw an episode of Scooby Doo once when they were a kid thirty years ago, and now they're trying to recall that. It just sounds terrible. Um, so fuck you, Warner Brothers. Uh, and it, what really sucks is Matthew Lillard found out he was being replaced when they made when, when the studio announced, "Hey, Will Forte is going to voice Shaggy." He's like, "Oh, what? Oh, okay." Sitting right here, guys, but okay. So, yeah. Well, so, I don't think I've ever actually seen any of the live action Scooby stuff. Um, uh, I, I don't know who Will Forte is. I, I haven't heard his Shaggy. I, I don't know. So, I can't compare. I, I really don't have uh, anything in my head in really comparison. But I will say this uh, for the entire generation of kids for whom Matthew Lillard was shaggy. And I love Matthew Lillard. He's great. Um, That entire generation is wrong because the shaggy is and always will be Casey Kasem. I mean, you know, Matthew Lillard may have done a great job filling his shoes afterwards, but he's not the shaggy. There's only one the shaggy, sir. Thank you. You go ahead and think that. It's fine. But Casey Kasem's dead, so yeah. someone's got to take over the voice. It might as well be the guy who's been doing it for almost 20 goddamn years! Sorry. 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 All right. Goose Fraba. Goose Fraba. <laughs> <Who's laughs> yeah, I've, I've never heard... Um, I mean, I've heard Matthew Lillard do his shaggy, you know, whenever I see... Because I've seen bits and pieces of the, the live action that, that he was, but I've never I've never heard any of the animated stuff he's done. I'm assuming obviously it's the same voice, um, and basically uh, yeah, it, it's such the same voice in, in pretty much any Scooby Doo thing since like the early 2000s. It's Matthew Lillard up until Scoob. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't seen that one, so I don't I can't really say much about it. Sorry, can't weigh in. It's all right. What do you got for us then? Well, so b- before we go any further, though, I, I want to say this. When I was looking, you know, through the different ones that I wanted to, to bring up and talk about, uh, I purposely did not include um, long-running franchises that have a history of replacing, you know, actors over the years like James Bond, because I don't consider that a recast. Well, I absolutely did, so. We'll oh, about that later. I didn't. I, I don't consider that a recast. That's just going forward. Hey, we're 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 changing out for a fresh face. But that's okay. I didn't. That's fine. Um, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with with the one I absolutely hate the most. And it's actually kind of a twofer because it's the same. Okay. The t- same character has been recast twice. Um, okay. the ca- the character of Freddy Krueger. Um, oh yeah. Now. Now this is the the, the nightmare because there there have been several people to play the character of Freddy Krueger at different points in his life, uh, and different things like when he's a kid, a young man, stuff like that. I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna talk about that. Um, so everybody knows Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Robert England is Freddy Krueger, but there was a moment in 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 the, uh, the 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 second Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Freddy's Revenge, that apparently. They 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 had some uh, uh, salary disputes with Robert England going into this movie because Robert England felt he deserved to be paid a little bit more, you know, than 
he needed a pay raise from the first movie to come back uh, because of his performance. And, you know, he felt he was the, you know, the draw and everything. And uh, Bob Shea, the head of New Line Cinema, uh, basically said, no, no, we don't, we don't need Robert England. It's, it's just a guy in a rubber mask. I mean, we can, we can put anybody in it. It doesn't matter that we don't need Robert England. And they, they literally went forward with principal photography with an extra in a rubber mask as Freddy Krueger. And you can still see it. Some of the footage that they shot is still in the movie. Like when he jumps out of the, 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 the pool uh, and everything. And there's some of the shower scene, I think with, with him. And literally he just walks around like a stiff, like Frankenstein thing. He has no mannerisms. Uh, he has, he has none of the body language and performance of it. And they shut down perfor- pr- production uh, after they saw the dailies. Uh, and, uh, um, they, they went to Bob Shea and they're like, no, no, we, we need Robert England. We need Robert. Uh, <laughs> and this isn't working. He, he, he's not Freddy. Uh, so yeah, if they, if they'd have gone forward with that, that would have killed that entire franchise. It was just, uh, it was, it was a horrible, horrible decision to just stick anybody in a mask. Uh, and, and, and the second time they tried to, to recast it was with the reboot with Jackie Earl Haley, uh, playing, uh, Freddie and nothing against Jackie Earl Haley. Cause I mean, I've seen him a bunch of things and he's a good actor and he, he does what he does, but it, it felt like once again, he, he was, it was, it was kind of flat. It, it wasn't Freddie. And he, it felt like he was just kind of regurgitating his Rorschach role. Uh, when you, when you see it on screen, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And that, that whole nightmare reboot just had a huge tone issue. It had all kinds of, yeah. I'm curious to see what uh, Jackie Earl Haley would have done if they would have let him just go nuts and do whatever he wanted to with the role. Because I feel like he's he's being forced to be very reserved. Um, you know who I'd love to see give it a go? Hmm. Uh, Charlotte Copley. Ooh, that would be interesting. Just just tell him do whatever you want and just let him go nuts and you know give him like a couple months of playing with it to really like find his voice for the character before we start shooting. Um, I don't know, man. He's, he does unhinged and crazy in a way nobody else does. And I feel like it might not be because that's the thing. The problem with that is like you said, um, um, Robert England is so synonymous with that character. Uh, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot trying to do that character because you're, you're, you can't just do what Robert Englund did because then you're just copying the character and nobody wants that. So you got to find a new take on the character and something that's fresh, uh, but maybe has hints of the old character. So you're not feeling like it's something completely different. Like it's a very fine line to walk. Well, um, but I, I feel like if nothing else, Charlotte Copley would give us a unique take on Freddy. Well, so, um, um, uh, kind of want to disagree a little bit because I, I get what you're saying and you're not wrong you, you can disagree a lot i don't care go for it no 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 because i don't want to disagree a lot I'm, this is a very guys 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 is, stop yeah. fighting guys guys um you see, you see the size of that chicken you see the size of that goddamn chicken <laughs> no we didn't no we didn't see it. <laughs> um, um but uh no so uh, 
you've heard, I mean, everybody's heard of actors getting typecast to a specific role. Uh-huh. And I think Freddie is unique in that it is a role that has been typecast to an actor. If that would, yeah. if that would make any yeah. sense. And if Charlotte Copley or anybody were to do it, their first outing, I think you would almost have to do, I would say 65% a Robert England impression. You have to give them that, and then in your next outing, you can start to diverge more. You know? I'm not saying just do a full Robert England impression, but you've got to give us over half of your performance has to be what we've seen before. Because once you do that, then you you lock into your audience's mind that this is Freddy. We know him. And then once they've accepted that, you can diverge. That being said, though, what just popped into my head was I, I would love to see Charlotte Copley play the Joker now that you said it and it said he does unhinged and crazy well, which he does. And I would love I to see. support anything that gives Charlotte Copley work. Yeah, he is the most criminally underrated actor other than Carl Urban. Uh, there you go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Warner Brothers, call me. Carl Urban is Batman. Charlotte Copley is the Joker. Scrap this whole thing you're doing with. Uh, um, Robert Pattinson. Scrap Pattinson. We got a better idea, guys. Uh, and uh, Stephen Lang is Commissioner Gordon. Fuck yes. <laughs> Keep them coming. You're on fire, Scott. <laughs> Alfred, go. <laughs> oh, shit. No I'm idea. Familiar with her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, while you're thinking of that. Uh, let me jump to my next one. This is going to be my hot take one, too. Because I am very, very much in the minority on this one. Now, I'm going to say this. And before you jump down, hear me out. My number two worst recasting, Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk. (laughs) <laughs> well, you just took one of my best ones. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, this will be fun then. Uh, <laughs> this is point counterpoint. Yes. Uh, so. Um, yes. So, okay. And it's not necessarily that I dislike Mark Ruffalo. If, if Mark Ruffalo had been the only Bruce Banner we've gotten in the MCU, then I might be fine with it. My problem is I really, really like the performance of the immediately preceding him in the MCU. And yes, Incredible Hulk is part of the MCU. And yes, Incredible Hulk is a great Hulk movie. I don't know why this movie gets shit on so much. Um, Edward Norton, to me, is verbatim what I think of when I think Edward... Or sorry, when I, Edward Norton is what I think when I think Edward Norton. <laughs> Edward yes. Norton is what comes to my head. <laughs> Never make a biography of Edward Norton. Edward Norton to totally play Edward Norton. Uh, okay, no. Edward Norton is what I think of when I think Bruce Banner. 
And that might be because I'm a big fan of the Ultimates comics, in which case they pretty much drew him as Edward Norton right to the point of being like, you know, we owe him money for likeness issues. Um, so the, it might just be a personal bias. I like the way he played the character. I like the way that, because part of the, the cool dynamic of Hulk is Bruce Banner is the stereotypical scrawny, brainy, nerdy guy who then becomes this giant rage monster. It's it's it, inherently part of it is wish fulfillment. When you're the 90 pound weakling and you get kicked around all the time, it'd be awesome to just hulk out and smash. Uh, we've all been there. It's okay. Uh, but Ruffalo backhanded compliment kind of way. Ruffalo's too cool. He's too smooth. I don't ever buy Mark Ruffalo as a nerd. Uh, the whole science bros thing with him and Tony. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. But like, I never ever. Mark Ruffalo is too smooth. He's too. He's he's cool. He's too cool. I don't ever. I've never bought him as being uh, um, Bruce Banner as much as I bought into Edward Norton. And that might be unfair because Edward Norton got an entire two hour plus movie to be the character and Mark Ruffalo was just shoehorned into a couple of Avengers movies. Uh, he's, you know, we've never really gotten to spend a lot of time with Mark Ruffalo in the role for weird, re- legal, for weird legal reasons. We won't get into, um, uh, again, if I hadn't already seen, uh, I, I definitely like, like, I can't talk today. I definitely like Mark Ruffalo better than I do. Um, Eric Bana in the abomination movie. We won't talk about, uh, okay, not abomination. Let me in the terrible movie. I can't say abomination because it's a Hulk thing. Uh, that terrible, terrible, angly Hulk movie that's a piece of shit and should just be forgotten about. I like uh, Ruffalo better than that, but I like Norton better. Uh, and that being said, Scott will not tell me why I'm wrong. I, I, so, first of all, you are completely correct. <laughs> and, and, and I've got, I've got, hey, hang on, wait, in that. Edward Norton is a perfect physical embodiment of the ultimate's imagining of Bruce Banner. Because that, that, that's exactly how he was this scrawny little weakling, you know, this, this guy that couldn't talk to anybody or stuff like that, you know, and everything. But the, the, the Bruce Banner that I grew up with reading in comics was not a scrawny 98-pound weakling. He was just a scientist. Um, you know, he was drawn and in fact, he, he looked a lot like, uh, as far as physical stature, he was pretty much on par with Tony Stark, who was just a businessman, but he was just a scientist. Uh, the shy, bashful little geeky tributes that you get in the ultimates, um, which I love the ultimates comics, uh, was not in, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the Hulk comics and, and, and the Avengers comics where Hulk was, when I was reading them, he just wasn't. Um, he was just a scientist uh, when he was when he was Banner. He was confident in in you know being a scientist. He was uh, uh, a bit of a geneticist and, and everything. They used him for that quite a bit in his role. Um, and he, I I never got ninety eight pound weakling. It was granted the Ultimates reimagined it that way. I mean, even in the, the Hulk's origin, like way back, you know, in the sixties, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't this scrawny little frightened 98 pound weakling either. He was a scientist and he was confident and he was heroic. 
because the way he, his origin in the original comics was he was developing the gamma bomb for the government and um oh crap i can't remember his name the rick uh yeah jones yeah, the, the rick yeah jones. rick jones yeah yeah the character we've never seen in any incarnation of the hulk which is a, a shame because rick jones the has leader that. of the was it the, the newsboy brigade is that what it was called wow something like that yeah that was wow. yeah shit but so yeah he he wandered onto the test field and and bruce banner literally runs out of the bunker grabs him pulls him in and throws him into the bunker you know right before the bomb goes off and he gets caught in 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 the, the gamma irradiation from the bomb um so he was never to me he was never this 98 pounds grinding weekly and mark ruffalo in my opinion um embodies that version of bruce banner more than uh, uh, Edward Norton did in um, the, the the Hulk movie. I do like the Hulk movie. Uh, I firmly admit it's in the MCU, uh, even though the only real thing to come out of it uh, into the MCU was uh, John Hurt. Um, Which, to be fair, if you're going to share your pick things from that movie, John Hurt is at the top of the list. That's true, but I would have really liked to have seen Doc Sampson. I would like to have seen a, a fully irradiated Doc Sampson. Um, I agree. And where the hell has Abomination been for a decade plus? That's what I want to know. Exactly. And but that being said, um, uh, another side note reason that I like Mark Ruffalo better is I fucking hate Edward Norton. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I cannot stand Edward Norton. I hate everything he does. Uh, I even, I, I can't stand him in Fight Club. Um, he's. Whoa, whoa. Scott, Scott, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure it's not just because Edward Norton's movie has Liv Tyler? Is there some like hatred by association there? That, that doesn't help. Up there, Jay. That's a really good idea. You see the size of that goddamn chicken? Yeah, go play with the <laughs> go, go play with the chicken, Jay. <laughs> so now that doesn't help. Uh, the fact <laughs> that Tyler's in that damn movie, and yes, she is once again playing Liv Tyler. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I I just I don't like Edward Norton, um, and okay. I did not, I did not buy him as Bruce Banner. Uh, I mean, even when he's even when he's doing science stuff, he he's not selling it to me. He doesn't he doesn't seem. It's almost like he, he he's just regurgitating lines. He doesn't portray to me like, hey, I actually understand what the fuck I'm talking about. No, I'm just reading lines I memorized. I don't know what the fuck any of this shit actually is. Yeah, because Mark Ruffalo is really good with the science talk when he, you know, plays with his glasses while he's spouting off dialogue he didn't write. Yeah, okay. It's, yeah, that's the difference right there. You got to play with your glasses while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> once again, Mark Ruffalo, I firmly, I, 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 when he does do science stuff, well, in fact, he actually doesn't really talk about science stuff too much. He doesn't do much of anything. Yeah, but neither does neither does That's Bruce part of Banner. My neither does Bruce Banner in the comics. Okay, okay, he doesn't. No, no, I'm not trying to be facetious. Like, uh, we just want to get to Hulk. So we just want to get to Hulk. Yeah, fast forward to the Bruce Banner stuff. Yeah, 
We just uh, want to see Lou Ferrigno, damn it. Yeah. But, yeah, this one, I absolutely loved this recast. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, I was very happy that Edward Norton got booted out of his ass because I want to kill Ryder Credit because I wrote stuff. Fuck it, just play an M. Hulk. Shit. Look, I can't argue for why they fired him, but I was disappointed to see him go because I would have, again, and I guess this comes down to just what what is your preferred version of Bruce Banner? Um, and and uh, there you go. But you can tell us in the comments uh, who's right and who's wrong on this. Yes. Please tell us in the comics why, comics, in the comments why I'm right and he's wrong. But, you know, um, I'm just saying. Or go to the 40 minute and 28 second mark of this episode to hear Scott tell me I'm absolutely right. Yes, I write down the time code every time you tell me I'm right. Uh, <laughs> if you're ever going through my notepads and you see a random time code in red pen, that's what it means. Scott said I was right. <laughs> well, I could contribute. <laughs> um, all right, so since I since I stole one of yours, I'll go ahead with our, uh, your your next worst recasting. Uh, well, it's not really worst recasting. It's just one I didn't care for. Um, yeah, uh, no potato. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people, uh, they were, it was just very close. Uh, the, the actress that played Evie in the, the Mummy movies, when we get to the third one, they recast her in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just don't care for the new one because she's very flat. She doesn't, uh, she does not, she's not the same character. She's not playing the same character. There's like none of the other Evie's mannerisms uh, come forth in this one. She's just, just she's just kind of a generic female person. Um, yeah, and it's sad. Um, you can definitely see why. Um, wow, I can't think of her name now. Um, I don't even know uh, her name. the original Evie. Uh, yeah, I, I can see why she passed up the third movie because her character really doesn't have anything to do in it uh, and really doesn't uh, change or grow or develop at all as a character. I, I can see why she passed on it. Um, and I see this one on all the lists. Uh, and, and yeah, she, she's not, she doesn't bring anything great or new or big to the, the, the biggest issue with that is sadly they had to recast uh, because I prefer the third movie over the second movie in that trilogy. Uh, I fucking hate Mummy Returns. I think Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is a much better movie overall. But it does, uh, you know, if Joe Bob were ranking, it does get a uh, at least a half star deduction for losing the original actress as Evie because it's it's unfortunate. Uh, everyone else is back, um, but we we, uh, we missed her. And yeah, she, yeah. She just doesn't. The new actress Maria Bello just doesn't have as much uh, chemistry with. Um, wow, I can't think of anyone's names now. Um, and Fraser. Thank you. Yeah, Ricochet O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. That's his. That's his new legal name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have as much chemistry with Encino Man, and I don't get it. Yeah, she she didn't have good chemistry with him, um, uh, and everything. I mean, in 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 my opinion, I mean, if you were gonna recast and she had that little to do in the plot, you could have easily have written her out. Um, if you wanted to recast and still wanted a female you know, uh, co-star in there with them. Um, you could have, you know, had her be, 
I don't know, Rick's sister or uh, Rick's new wife, whatever happened to Evie, if you wanted to write it that way. And this is what what's his name? Stepmom, you know, and she's just not or, all this or call, call me crazy. And, and maybe you just go do a rewrite of the script and punch up that role to get the original actress back on board. If you're going to do a third movie and you want the cast back and the actress says, no, I had nothing to do in this movie. Just do another rewrite. You know, well, beef up the role a bit. Now that's just crazy talk. I know. Or throw a little runny at her. You know, it's Hollywood. One or the other. Yep. Uh, that's true. But yeah, I just didn't, you know, once again, this, this was one of my, I mean, if, if you're going to have a recast, you know, you, 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 she's got to get in there and at least try to bring forth some of the mannerisms that made Evie Evie. I, now, once again, I, I'm not trying to knock the, the actress's performance because we don't know the situation on set. We don't know what kind of direction she got. We don't know. There's lots of things that can affect a person's performance. We don't know. So I'm not trying to say she was a bad actress. I'm just saying the whole situation, it was a bad replacement. Fair enough. Again, I like the movie overall, but I can't disagree on the casting. All right, then. You ready for it? Sure. My number one worst recasting, and I'm going to try not to go on a rant because I kind of ranted about this a couple episodes ago. <clears throat> worst recasting, Johnny Depp as Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts. And this is kind of a cheat because it isn't, it isn't technically a recasting. Okay. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a... It's more of a cheap, unnecessary third act reveal. Um, Colin Farrell, through the entire movie, plays our villain, uh, Graves. And he does a great job in playing a villain. He he is that perfect combination of... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. He's he's uh, he, he plays the character like they're an actual character who has wants and needs and, and motivations. Um, and they're a real person. And, and I, I look at... You know, if we're going to go down the rabbit hole of the whole uh, Dumbledore's gay and him and Grindelwald were lovers angle. I could see um, um, Jude Law, who they recast as uh, uh, Dumbledore, and Colin Farrell's characters being attracted to each other, because those are two handsome guys. Then, in the third act of that movie, we reveal that, nope, Graves isn't really Graves the whole time he was Grindelwald in disguise, even though they had the same haircut the entire movie. Um... And really, it's Johnny Depp with pale makeup, uh, the worst, like, early 2000s M&M peroxide uh, bleached hair, um, and then two different color eyes, because he likes wacky characters. And and Grindelwald, under Johnny Depp, is just a literal fucking cartoon character of a villain. Like, he'd be right... He would not be out of place uh, sitting next to... Uh, um, Dick Dastardly. He's that just, you know, mustachio twirling, uh, I'm evil because I'm evil bullshit character. And I hate the recasting. Uh, you could have easily revealed that Graves is Grindelwald in disguise and not completely brought a new actor in. I don't see the point of bringing in a whole new actor, uh, especially when you already have an A-list, well-renowned, well-liked actor such as Colin Farrell, and you're replacing him with Johnny Depp doing yet another crazy white face makeup role. 
I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, but thankfully, I don't have to deal with it anymore because in a really weird twist, um, <laughs> the role has been recast yet again. So with the third movie, uh, Grindelwald will be played by Mads Mikkelsen from uh, um, Casino Royale and the Hannibal series. Um, so we'll see if third time's the charm. But yeah, that's my number one pick for worst recasting. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, I like Johnny Depp. Um, I was okay with the reveal. It didn't really bother me that much. But then again, I, I just find it fun. You know, uh, I mean, how can you go wrong if your your main character is just quirky and British? But um, yeah, I, I get why you don't like it, but. It doesn't really bother me that much. I would have loved to have seen uh, Colin Farrell just continue as the bad guy because you are correct. He did a great, great performance as the bad guy. I loved him. He was awesome. Um, I, I just think that that Johnny Depp's performance and, and role in that suffered from too late of a reveal in the movie. Had the reveal maybe done a little bit earlier it would have been a little better if we, if we'd gotten giant at more than just like a third act throw in, you know, if, if maybe like after the first time we see Colin Farrell, he, he slips off and he's dealing with one of his agents and we see him change. And now we get giant up dealing with the agent and then he changes back to go back into the main stuff. If we get it, if we get a mix throughout the movie, instead of just complete stonewall, yeah, because Johnny Depp doesn't really do anything as that character. He has, like, one line of dialogue in the entire first movie, which, is again, goes to my point of, like you said, it's a pointless reveal. You've had Colin Farrell doing such an amazing job as your villain, and you know you want to see your villain get their comeuppance. That's like screenwriting 101. The bad guy needs to get their comeuppance, so the audience is going to feel cheated. And the only comeuppance we get is Colin Farrell turned into Johnny Depp. Yay! Yeah, I I, th- I think what would have been better because I think what they were going for was they were trying to set Johnny Depp up as as the main villain all the way through the second movie, and if you're gonna do that, uh, I think it would be best if if you had made them two separate people. Yes, and and had you know uh, Colin Farrell get his comeuppance and the 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 heroes the the the, the protagonists actually defeat him and triumph over him. And then we reveal that, that Johnny Depp is the, the Moriarty behind Colin Farrell. Uh, See that I would have been okay with. Yeah. And then we set him up going into, into movie two. (sighs) So any other uh, bad recastings on your end? No, no, that's all my bad ones. The, 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 All right. Really stick with me. Well, now, now that we're done being uh, negative Nancy's. Sorry, Mom. Uh, Scott, give me your uh, uh, your first best recasting. Okay, so Mark Ruffalo came in and... No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Round two. Go! <laughs> um, this This actually... One of my favorite, and I think a, a, a really good recast 
um, is I think it harkens back to what we were discussing with Freddy Krueger. And that was when they, they brought Michael Gambon in to take over the role of Albus Dumbledore. Uh, Because I'm going to go ahead and stay on the Harry Potter cake. Uh, In, uh, I think, I'm sorry? That's it, that works. In in Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, of course, this was a a recast of necessity because Richard Harris had passed away. Um, um, But if you watch Michael Gambon's performance in this movie and then going forward, in this movie... He is very much mimicking a lot of the mannerisms that Richard Harris brought to the role because he realizes he's playing the same character and he needs to start out where Richard Harris left off the the whole, you know, where he tilts his head back and he looks kind of down his glasses a little bit type thing, uh, the, the way he would turn and, and stuff like that. And then uh, and then going forward, though, he he makes it his own. So. He gives us not not fully just a a, a a mimic of Richard Harris's performance, but but he firmly realizes that he's playing the same character and he can't just radically change it. It has to be a gradual change, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, and the only thing I'll add to that is that to- I agree totally. Um, and and I mean this as a compliment when I say this, but the best thing. Uh, that I have to add to that is, to this day, I speak to people who do not realize that that ah. character was played by two different actors. Yes. Um, the transition was that seamless. Uh, and again, I don't mean to say that he just took over the role and did what the other guy did, but like you said, no, he, he made it his own. But the transition in between the two was done so well. Again, to this day, I talk to people who don't realize that was two separate actors. Yeah, and I think that is a tribute to to Michael Gambon's performance. Uh, I think you can totally, you know, he he as the actor, he came in, he knew what job he had to do, uh, he knew what was was riding on his shoulders because it's a key character throughout the series, um, and he and he knew going into it, he was committed to because this was number three. So I'm sorry, was it number two? Because no. he's in because because Richard Harris is in one and two. Uh, yeah, Azkaban's three, right? And then yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fire yeah, three yeah. when he took over. So yeah. yeah, so three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He knew he, he was signing a he was signing a six picture deal, and he he knew it going in. Um, so he came in, he knew what he had to do, uh, and I I think it's a, a testament to his acting ability that, like you said, there are people who don't realize that there were two different actors in that role. Uh, if you're going to recast somebody, there's a good template. That's a way to do it right there. Definitely. All right. Uh, my first positive, uh, and again, this comes with a heaping helping of personal bias. Um, Scott excluded this series from his list, but I think it is a, uh, a totally necessary thing to talk about. The role of Bond, James Bond. Uh, is one of those that we know is going to be constantly recast throughout the decades uh, because Bond will never die. That being said, the casting of Bond is crucially important because the actor playing your Bond kind of sets the tone for what the Bond series is going to be like for at least 10 years going forward. 
uh, unless you're you're terrible in the role um, or weird things happen between movies, then you only do one movie, Lazenby. Um, so, uh, and, and a good actor, uh, like we talked, to, we've, we've sort of hinted at, can either resurrect a franchise or they can fucking tank it. Um, and it's it, I know some people will say it's unfair to put all that on an actor, but when you have a role like Bond. The actor who's going to play Bond is crucial for the tone of the film, the, the the feel of it, and and can really help revive a franchise that's gone cold. And that is why my pick for best Bond recasting, who also just happens to be my personal favorite Bond of all time, Pierce Brosnan, who replaced Timothy Dalton. Um, Goldeneye, very special movie for me. I'm a kid of a certain age. That was the first Bond movie I ever saw in a theater. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was my Bond. Um, I've since seen all the films, and we're currently rewatching them uh, slowly with our, our uh, Thursday Night Hangout group. Um, and we haven't got to this yet, but Timothy Dalton was the previous Bond. And while I appreciate Timothy Dalton, I like his movies. I don't think he's necessarily a bad Bond. Um, he only is a bad Bond when compared to Pierce Brosnan, who was an amazing Bond. Uh, uh, Timothy Dalton, and granted, he's Timothy Dalton was following um roger moore and under roger moore the bond movies got very silly see moonraker for further examples of bond getting silly so with dalton they wanted to kind of correct things and and make bond a little more serious and with under dalton and it's not necessarily all his fault but they really kind of overcorrected. dalton is way too serious in the role of bond and i kind of let that slide for his first movie because we're changing the tone of the character. We're trying to set a new tone going forward. Okay. His second and final movie, uh, coincidentally, is License to Kill, which is just Bond trying to be uh, Miami Vice, where the entire plot is Bond is on a uh, Bond's best buddy gets killed by drug dealers and Bond goes off reservation on a bloody swath of revenge. That's the Bond movie. Way too serious. I'm not saying there aren't jokes in the movie, but Dalton, is, I don't think he ever cracks a smile. The entire two movies. He's way too serious. Pierce Brosnan is a guy who understands there are multiple facets to being Bond. And he's a guy who can pull off each of those facets. He can be charming and smooth. Because it's a handsome fucking man. Uh, he can be the action star you want from a Bond. Especially GoldenEye era uh, Dalton. He, or, uh, sorry, Brosnan. Uh, he's good to go with your action scenes. He can crack a joke. His chemistry with Q is awesome. Um, and and it, I love uh Pierce Brosnan as Bond. I love most of the movies from his era. Uh, unfortunately, uh, within the four movies he did, we went back to Goldeneye. Took things back to a, a much more you know Cold War era spy versus spy, but grounded in reality movie. And by the time Brosnan was done with his franchise, we swung all the way back around to giant space lasers. Uh, and it was goofy as shit, uh, and it killed the franchise. So that's my pick. Well, so I had I had excluded things like Bond, and you know the Joker, uh, uh, Batman stuff, where you've had multiple different actors over the years, uh, um, accepting these roles because they're they're franchises that they want to keep going, but the actors will get older. And they'll get reimagined, and they'll 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 put new new people in it. But um, given the point of view of 
Pierce Brosnan as a great recast coming off of Timothy Dalton. I can understand that viewpoint. Um, and yeah, Timothy Dalton, when he, when he did his, he just, he didn't feel like bond. Uh, he just felt like a, uh, cookie cutter action star of the time. Uh, and Pierce Brosnan does give us, you know, uh, that, that, the the charm of Bond. He he brings the charm of Bond back, especially in Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. I love I love Pierce Brosnan in the role. Um he was he was great. He was he was kind of a an almost a hybrid mix of a bit of Connery and a bit of Roger Moore, uh, I felt in his role with, with his flavor sprinkled in. That being said, <clears throat> two things. Uh Moonraker uh, was a very decent two thirds of a Bond film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, it's very good up until they go to space and it goes completely off the rails. It takes a huge left turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Tim- while you're making that left turn, you might say to yourself, "You see the size of that goddamn chicken? <laughs> Damn it! You I wasn't see ready. the size of those goddamn space lasers? You see the size of that goddamn chicken?" God, I never get never never get tired of that quote. Um, and, and that being said, when it comes to Timothy Dalton, Timothy Dalton did play a very spot on, wonderfully well rounded, uh, and charming James Bond in The Rocketeer. Um, yes, uh, he, even though he's the bad guy, but if he had played if he had played Bond the way he played uh, Sinclair, Sinclair. By God, he'd have been he'd have been in there for at least six movies. The number two box office draw. The secret identity <laughs> of the laughing bandit. Sorry, you gotta be talking about Rocketeer again, damn it. Oh, <laughs> uh, now one thing uh, on Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton can also do comedy pretty well. He he does a very good job in uh, um, Hot Fuzz. Oh, he's he's again. I don't mean to knock Timothy Dalton. He's a great actor, and I love Timothy. I don't even I don't even hate his Bond movies, and I don't necessarily credit it that it's his fault as the actor. It's just I feel like the franchise was overcorrecting, and he got kind of forced into being a much more serious Bond. Um, and I don't put don't put the blame on him. Um, but under Brosnan, the movies got better. For a while, uh, <laughs> we kind of overcorrected to the opposite direction um, eventually. But uh, I, I just think Brosnan incorporates more of the, again, there are multi facets you need a Bond actor to be able to do. And I think Brosnan got to, and it might be unfair because he got twice as many movies, but he, he got to showcase that he can be charming, he can be uh, funny and do the comedy, he can, you know, at this flip of a switch, he can turn on and be the action star you want him to be. He can be cold uh, and brutal the way Bond needs to be at times. And with Dalton, you, you could definitely get the cold and brutal, um, and and sometimes you could get the charming, uh, but not quite the funny. You, you couldn't quite get all three of those dialed in. So. Um. Yeah, and and I've never seen, I've never really sat down and watched the Daniel Craig era films. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but I've never actually just sat down and watched them. So I can't really speak much to his Bond. We'll get to that in about three months. So at the rate we're currently going. Uh, so who's next on your best recast? Well, um. I don't know if it's a 
this one's not really this this is my only other good one well i take that back i i had like my my biggest one was i'm not lying mark ruffalo <laughs> he was on my list as, as a <laughs> we've already covered that one all right uh, but him and dumbledore were my two big ones of you know okay. recasting characters but I, I do have another one that i think it's kind of an honorable mention in mine um because the actor that took over and i don't even know the actor's name the actor that took over for this role um i think did a did a very good job um to the point that when i first saw the movie um i didn't realize it was recast i actually had to go look it up uh the actor that uh they got to do to 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 take on the role of red skull in uh, infinity war and endgame um I, I know it's under heavy makeup and stuff but i thought it was it was it was decent he had he didn't have a lot of screen time but um yeah that was yeah uh, um once uh because uh, I couldn't tell that it was uh, somebody different. I had to go look. It wasn't. Yeah, anytime, anytime you can say I didn't, I couldn't tell that was someone different. It's usually pretty good at recasting. Um, I can't even remember the the original actor's name now. Uh, the guy from the Matrix. Yeah, Elrond. Yeah, Elrond. Agent Smith. Oh, Agent does he have an Smith. actual name? Uh, Elrond Smith. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But no, I, I liked that one. It was it was a good recast. Um, it was a good enough recast that uh, I would love to see um, him come back as a as a villain again. Um, get him out of the, get him away from the, the as the guardian of the soul stone, and and bring him back and and let him let him do a uh, something. I don't know with, with a with a new uh, new Captain America or something. But I know we've got, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which is going to rely heavily on Baron Zemo and, and stuff. But then that's fine. But down the road, yeah, I'd like to see him come back. It was Hugo Weaving originally. Ah, that's, that's L. Ron Smith's name, yeah. Uh, I trying to see. Ross Marquand played him in Infinity War. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know the guy's name. Uh, yeah, neither did I. I had to look it up just now, but uh, for, for posterity's sake, and and I I agree. I love Hugo Weaving's Red Skull. I would like to see more of that character, but unfortunately, Hugo Weaving apparently hated doing that movie. Uh, so I don't think we'll uh, we'll see Hugo Weaving back at all. But I would love to see more Red Skull. Um, one of my greatest. Uh, um, regrets of the the entire mcu i would just love to see a whole movie and you could do it whenever you feel like it bring chris evans and sebastian stan and the whole howling commandos crew back and give me a fully set in world war ii like men on a mission dirty dozen style cat versus hydra movie uh because we we one of the reasons i i I put cap uh first avenger as my least favorite movie of phase one is we montage over all of World War II. We and I get we had to. I get that. But we montage over the whole war. I'm like, that is so many story opportunities we could have fit in there. But uh, And you still could. I mean, seriously. Uh, hell, do it as a Disney Plus uh, streaming you know, limited uh, series of, of Cap and the Howling Commandos. Um, but anyway, I agree with you, buddy. 
Yeah. Um, I would I would watch the hell out of that. Uh, I'd even watch it if it was just the Howling Commandos. I mean, the one episode of uh, um, Agent Carter. Carter. Yeah, Agent Carter, yeah, where they bring the Howling Commandos in. God, that was that was a great episode. Whatever gets us more dumb, dumb Dugan is really what. Just make a dumb, dumb Dugan series. Give us more dumb, 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 dumb Agent of Shield. Uh, give me that. Ah. Uh... Okay, uh, I'm going to cut my list a bit here. Um, I'm going to go with, and again, this, this violates Scott's rule of uh, a series that constantly recasts actors, but I think it is crucially important uh, to a series when you recast your lead role, because again, that lead is going to set the tone going forward. Um, and I'm going to drift into to some potentially dangerous territory, because uh, you know the old saying, uh, you never talk politics and religion. Well, when it comes to nerds, you never talk incarnations of the doctor <laughs> because it inevitably leads to a debate and arguments and name calling and uh, someone's going to go home with a broken sonic screwdriver and no one's happy. Uh, so I am not saying one of these is better than any other version. I am just going to state uh, s- some of the best recasting uh, I've ever seen is Matt Smith as the Doctor in uh, revamped season five, I think, or six. I lose track uh, of of the new, the new Doctor Who series. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean to downplay Eccleston. Eccleston had a huge job to do of rebooting Doctor Who after all, over a decade off yeah. the air. It um, was a huge... What was that? I was going to say, of, of all the, the actors that have played the Doctor, Christopher Eccleston had probably the, the second toughest job. He, he Yeah, his job was, we're, we're going to reboot this show. It's been off the air for over a decade. We've got we've to bring back the original audience. We've got to bring in new viewers. They had an, an impossible task. And Eccleston nailed it. His version of the Doctor was different. Uh, so it gave old fans something new they hadn't seen before. He was approachable, so new fans could come into it. Uh, the writing uh, under Russell T. Davies is fantastic. That yes. whole uh, that whole Eccleston series is fantastic, and yeah. I do not mean to, de- to, to diminish that at all. Yeah. It is a huge accomplishment. And Russell, however, this was I mean, yeah, Russell T. Davies is the other the other side of that coin. Yeah, like, like those two in that first season. You know, then of course, you know, Eccleston leaves of his own accord. Uh, but yeah, without Russell T. Davies, that show would have never relaunched as popular as it is now. So that being said, they re- they did the impossible. The show's back on the year and it's popular. Cool. We're going to go forward again. They knew before they were done shooting the first series that Eccleston wasn't going to stay on past that. So they were already into recasting before they were done shooting with Eccleston. That brings us to David Tennant. Um, he was my personal favorite, but I did not put him as the most important casting. And here's why under the tenant years with Russell T Davies, the show went from a revived beloved old sci-fi series that has now gotten a you know, new life to a worldwide pop culture phenomena. <laughs> phenomena. Uh, I started watching Doctor Who because I was going to conventions and everywhere increasingly were more and more and more people cosplaying Doctor Who, talking about Doctor Who. It was invading my pop culture. Uh, I finally sat down to watch it. I think David or Tennant was like two seasons in at that point. Um, 
and again, not that one doctor is better than the other, but under Tenet, the show went from a successfully revived TV show to the the sci-fi TV show everyone had to be watching. And when Tenet stepped down, that could have been the end of it all. That could have been it. Ride could have been over. It was fun while it lasted, but it's done now. The casting of the 11th Doctor was hugely important because now we're not just handing off to another actor. We're trying to keep this trend going. We're trying to keep this show, which was gaining viewership, gaining uh, momentum, keep that going. And I was skeptical because I love Tenet. And I didn't want to watch Matt Smith because he wasn't David Tennant. Screw that. I want Tennant back. <laughs> and, and it was much to his credit. It was Kemp who literally sat me down while he was collecting all his crap for a convention one day. I was waiting for him to get ready so we could pack up and leave. You know, just sit down and watch the first episode, which I believe is called The 11th Hour. And in the course of that one episode, I went from, fuck this new guy. I want Tennant back. To, okay, I like this guy. In one episode. Uh, Matt Smith was was lightning in a bottle for the third time. Uh, his doctor was different enough from the previous incarnations. It felt like it was something new, but he still had that zaniness and craziness and could crank it up to 11 just the way Tenet did and just the way Eccleston did at times. Um, like, like we've been saying, it was that perfect blend of new and old. Um, and uh, the show at that time was going through some changes. Russell T. Davies stepped down and... Uh, the other guy's name I can't think of, um, took over. Uh, the show went through a bit of a revamp in tone and whatnot, but Matt Smith kept it going, and arguably you could make the argument made it even more popular than Tenet did. Um, that was a crucial, crucial recasting, and they nailed it. Um, when, when it comes to, to talking about the Doctors, you know, if, if, if anyone, because I've been watching for a long damn time, um, and uh, people, if people ask, you know, who's your favorite doctor? I invariably will always answer whoever the current one is. Because that's the one we're getting new stories with. That being said, I find that the one that I miss the most is Matt Smith. Because Matt Smith was was great in that role. He did a wonderful, wonderful job as the Doctor. I'm not a big fan of Stephen Moffat's writing. I think that's that, that's the name I couldn't think of. Yeah, right. yeah. I think I think Stephen Moffat. Um, now, see, I, I can't fully disparage Stephen Moffat because he's also co showrunner or was slash is because it's still technically in production. Uh, co showrunner and writer uh, for Sherlock. And that series is phenomenal all the way through. I love that series. But when it comes to his 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 uh, his Doctor Who stuff, I, I I think he he gets some plot holes and he gets his his some of his logic and how things should play out are a little wonky to me. Um, but love Matt Smith, love his entire era. Um, I, the one thing I really dislike from the Matt Smith era is what they did with uh, the Weeping Angels. I hate what they did with the Weeping Angels. It's annoying as hell. Um, you don't like the giant Weeping Angel Statue of Liberty? God, that's <laughs> fucking bullshit. I, I mean, really? The Statue of Liberty, huh? So, apparently these things are only quantum-locked now when our heroes are looking at them? No one else in, 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 in New York City is laying eyes on the Statue of Liberty at any given time. Really? Okay whatever 
and and then you got the the one weeping angel that um apparently grabbed uh who was it was it Amy Pond's hand or was it River Song's hand? I don't remember. She grabbed one of them's hand and and everybody looked back and the the statue was quantum locked and they couldn't get her wrist out of the statue. Uh, it just completely contradicts the fact that apparently, supposedly, when they touch you, they displace you in time. Like, immediately, there is no, there is no, hey, Scott, look, I've got a hold of you thing. Scott, look, here's your problem. What you, what you forgot is, during the Matt Smith era, continuity and rules, just like time, are wibbledy-wobbledy. Apparently. Um, but I do like Matt Smith. I did like Matt yeah. Smith. Um uh, I think the whole River Song storyline got a little wonky there for a bit, but it was okay. Right. Um, well, um, that being said, we don't have to go. We, yeah, we don't have to go through the whole entirety of Matt Smith, but just uh, I felt like that casting. And again, I, I always get pushed back on that when people. Well, Chris Eccleston was there when they brought the show back. Like, yes, Chris, Chris Eccleston did a lot of heavy lifting, and I don't mean to discredit that, but I think the more crucial recasting at that point was carrying on after tenant and matt smith uh the show under matt smith became even bigger than it was under under tenant and it was huge under tenant uh run um and to me that that could have been a a momentum killer uh and they kept things going and it was it was very crucial very important and very well done yeah Uh, now now i will add because um I, i don't know how much of the old school doctor you've watched um but if it doesn't involve four, I probably haven't seen it. Okay, so in my opinion, um, the 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 actor, not to disparage what Eccleston and 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 Smith and everybody did did to reboot it and keep it going uh, and everything, um, but the actor I think that that had the most difficult job as the Doctor uh, was Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor. Um. Because he kind of had the the same job as Eccleston and Matt Smith combined, because back in the '60s when uh, 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 Herndl, Herndl, and I can't remember his first name, but when 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 the first Doctor left the show, the show was hugely popular. It it was as popular then as it is now if not maybe a little more so, or that's still say they're, they're very equal. It was 100% pop culture. You know, it was the show to watch. And it was at the height when the first doctor had to step down for health reasons. And, um, they wanted to keep the show running. So they brought in Patrick Troughton and the writers came up with the idea of regeneration. Now, with Eccleston and Smith and everybody, they already had well-established regeneration. In other words, when Matt Smith pops in as the doctor, when, 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 uh, when you know, Tennant pops in as the doctor, we just accept he's the doctor. We know that. Now, he has to keep the popularity, yes, but we still accept him as the doctor. Patrick, well, Trump- Hold on now. Hold on now. Uh, my wife would beg to differ uh, because Whitney who started with Chris Eccleston, having never seen a single minute of Doctor Who before that, uh, sent me a text message one night, very confused and angry. (laughs) Why is Marty Crouch Jr. on my screen? Where is Chris? (laughs) 
Oh yeah. Um, so the doctor does that. Um, yeah, he uh, he, ch- he changes. But you see what I'm saying? The, the, yeah, no, I, I get your point. I, I totally Patrick, get your point. Yeah. Patrick Troughton had to take all these fans. The, basically, the entire world was Whitney. Yeah, no. If if, if that, that first handoff had not worked, there would be nothing else to follow it. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's what Patrick Troughton had on his shoulders. He had to take this role, and he had to convince an entire world of Whitney's, "I am the Doctor, and you will like me." <laughs> I am the doctor. Look at me. Look at me. I and am the Whitney's our tough audience, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Um, I've got one honorable mention and one more we've got to talk about. Go for it. Go for it. So my honorable mention, um, it's a character I love in a franchise that unfortunately has gotten done dirty way too often. Um, in no small part because the actor who originally played this role is one of my childhood heroes. I'm talking about Kyle Reese. <laughs> in the Terminator franchise, originally played by Michael Bean, uh, my hero. Uh, he was recast twice. Once really well, once we're not going to talk about. Uh, but my honorable mention is Anton Yelchin in Terminator Salvation. Um, I believe every bit that Anton Yelchin's character is the younger version of the character we meet in the original Terminator. That he's grown up in the wasteland, uh, he's become a, a survivor. He's scrappy. Uh, he's not some muscle-bound action hero guy. He's just someone trying to survive who idolizes John Connor, which is a voice he hears over the radio every night telling him there is hope. You, If you hear this, you are the resistance. Um, <clears throat> Anton Yelchin, a great actor gone too soon, but I think one of his best roles was taking over Kyle Reese and uh, looking back on Terminator Salvation, I know they planned that to be the start of a new trilogy. One of the things I think we really got robbed of is seeing Anton Yelchin grow into that role. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't see this. Uh, I didn't see. I've not seen anything Terminator since after the third one. That's the only thing that I saw. Terminator Three, and that was it. Uh, I've not seen. Anything I else. can't blame you yet because that one's pretty terrible. It, uh, yeah, I can't do it. Um, I do agree, though, that, uh, you know, Anton Yelchin's best role was, you know, his checkoff. But um, that's just me. Uh, well, I'll have to loan you Salvation. It's actually, it's the only Terminator movie since T2 I would deem worth watching. Um, is that, but Is that the one that's set fully in the future and yes. uh, uh, Christian Bale is uh, John Connor? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, it's at least trying to be different. Uh, so number one best recasting uh special shout out doc uh i don't want to steal one off your list buddy ah no it's fine john go ahead it's fine i got brandy's over here on the couch to sleep so just go ahead and talk guys you see the size of that goddamn chicken (laughs) i feel like my impersonation is getting worse as the show goes on um okay Most people probably don't even know this, but when I say the words back to the future, two things are going to come into your head. One, Doc Brown, Great Scott, and two, Marty McFly. Whoa, this is heavy, Doc. Michael J. Fox is so synonymous with the role of, of, of uh, Marty McFly. It's one of those things where you cannot imagine anyone else in that role. However, he was not the original cast for that role. 
uh, Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Marty McFly to the point that he shot for about two weeks on this movie as Marty McFly. They wanted Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was too busy doing um, not growing pains. Um, Family ties. Family ties. Thank you. Uh, and, and and couldn't commit to a film shooting schedule on top of that. So he had to pass on it. So they cast Eric Stoltz. They shot for a couple of weeks with Eric Stoltz. They were looking at the dailies because this is back when you were shooting on film and you couldn't see what you just shot immediately. You had to wait for it to go off and get developed. It was the dark age. Um, looking at the dailies, it wasn't working. Uh, not to say what Stoltz was doing was bad, but it, it wasn't what the director and the producers had in mind. It wasn't their vision of Marty. So... In a crazy move. Uh, if this happened nowadays, it'd be all you could hear about because it'd be all over the media. And Because um, anytime any hiccup happens in a production now, it's all over the media. They shut down production of the movie, let Eric Stoltz go, went back to Michael J. Fox and say, we want you in this movie. How can we make this happen? And they rescheduled the shooting schedule for the movie to accommodate Michael J. Fox to be able to shoot family ties during the day and come shoot that movie at nights <clears throat> or during his days off. So for like three or four months, Michael J. Fox had no days off ever. He was either shooting family ties or about the future or both in one day. <clears throat> and it's one of those roles where nowadays you cannot imagine anyone else in that role, but it wasn't originally gonna be him well so well also eric stoltz mm -hmm. is still in the movie mm -hmm. there's 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 literally one shot where it's still eric stoltz in the movie what shot is that uh it's it's, it's in the 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 diner isn't it the, when he when he first stands up to biff because because his back is to the camera and biff does that that that, that, that like stand up loom over him I don't think it's still him because if you look at the dailies, his wardrobe is completely different from Michael J. Fox's. I don't know. Uh, I've seen some pretty convincing evidence that it's still it's still Eric Stoltz. Okay, but the anyway. only scene there's a documentary about the movie on the the box set that shows a few of the scenes, um, the, some of the footage of Eric Stoltz. He's wearing a totally different outfit that Michael J. Fox never wears, but it's it's possible. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, this I don't fully consider a recast in the the same vein of what we're talking about. Yes, Eric Stoltz was recast, but we never actually got to see Eric Stoltz in the role. You know what I'm saying? So we okay. can't compare because I don't know how Eric Stoltz was. The only thing I have to go off of is, you know, fucking the, the, uh, the, the Bobs uh, or no, Steven Spielberg. That's who that, that was the director, right? Because it was Robert, yeah, Robert Steven Spielberg was the producer. Uh, Robert Zemeckis directed. So all we really have is Robert Zemeckis's you know word that Eric Stoltz was terrible to go on. And I mean, really, what the hell does he know? But um, yeah, yeah, we we never actually saw. We 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 never had. It, it's it's not like now the the recast. You know, like uh, the, the the actress that played the girlfriend in the first one. You know, when, when we're recast to. Uh, uh, uh shit what's her Perfect name shoe. yeah we're recast to her we've seen both roles she was in that role we've seen her she's on screen and now we're recast to this one um so when it comes to the whole people who were 
signed on, but then changed at the last minute or changed after principal photography started. Uh, I don't know because we never get to see the original actors in that role. You know, that's a fair point to a degree. Uh, I had, but dropped the whole Tom Selleck, uh, Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. yeah because yeah. we never, ever got to see any of that. And that, that's a fair point. But I feel like if you're already in the middle of shooting and you stop production because the actor is not working, um, I feel like that makes it valid. No, it was going to be like literally they were hair and makeup, costume on set, shooting for multiple occasions. And and, and we still decided, nope, we're going to shut down the whole production and reshoot it. That's that's rare. Yeah, it is rare. It's very rare. But when you you say the actor wasn't working, well, he wasn't working for Robert Zemeckis. If you put it, if it was a different director, he may have worked out fine. Right, but I'll counter that with, again, Michael J. Fox is now so famous and iconic in that role, you can't imagine anyone else playing it. Exactly. So So clearly the recasting worked. Yeah, but we don't know if the other one would have failed. You see what I'm saying? We we don't have a baseline to compare against. Sure we do. No, we don't. Sure we do. I mean... Michael J. Fox is awesome, and what the fuck has Eric Stoltz done? (laughs) Rest my case. Mic drop. Oh, good lord! Anyway, no, seriously, what does Eric Stoltz done? I only know him as the guy who wasn't wearing the fly. Like I know I recognize him when I see his face, but I don't actually know what he's been in. He's in uh, uh, he's in Memphis Bell, isn't he? Uh, he's also in Mask. Um, it would help if I spelled the name correctly at IMDb. He's in Pulp Fiction. Okay, yeah, apparently I don't know how to I don't know how to spell his name either. Some kind of wonderful Yeah. Uh, uh I'm not seeing much. That's uh <laughs> yeah, you know, oh yeah, he was in Caprica. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Memphis wow. Bell, uh, <laughs> which is a great movie. It's not historically accurate, but it's a great movie. You know. Um, I mean, you know, you got Matthew Dean, Eric Stoltz, Billy Zane, Sean Astin, Harry Connick Jr., uh, John Lithgow. Love that movie. David Strathairn. God, I want to watch that again. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and rest my case on this one. Eh, Yeah, I don't consider it. I don't consider it a recast in the same vein of what we're talking about here. Because we never had Eric Stoltz's performance to go off of. All we have is the word of Bob Zemeckis. Well, I'll take his word for it. <clears throat> Jay, what do you say about that? You want to weigh in on this topic? You see the size of that goddamn chicken? Indeed we did, Jay. Indeed we did. All right, so there's our best and worst recasting. Um... With a caveat, because Scott doesn't like my last pick. Um, but let us know what other recastings uh, were good or bad. Uh, did we miss some? Do you like ours? Do you have a bone to pick with one of ours? Um, tell us why uh, Matt Smith isn't the best doctor, because you weren't paying attention to anything we said past doctor. Uh, and I understand. It's okay. That's, that's a topic you don't bring up with nerds. That's a... Uh... That was literally in the safety video at a Dragon Con one year. <laughs> um, so, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, let us know what you think about all this. And we'll be here next week. 
to give you another nerd alert. 